All right, welcome back to Content That Grows Podcast. We're excited to get going again uh, for 2023. So I'm sitting down today with Derek Flint, Marketing Manager of 10Speed, and we are going to dive into all things uh, you know, AI and marketing. Obviously, you've seen a lot, I'm sure, uh, if you've been on any social network in the last three months. Um, just a lot of a lot of folks talking about it, and uh, you know, making all kinds of claims and predictions. And so, uh, I thought it'd be a good topic to just kind of jump in today and and uh, and sort through a bunch of of the aspects of it. So, um, excited to get going with that. How's it going, Derek? Good. Uh, it's good to be back on the podcast. I think it's kind of like re-remembering how to set up. Feels like it's totally. been been an age since we've recorded one of these, so I'm excited to get back yeah. into it. Um, but yeah, let's let's jump in. So, with all of the noise, I think like something we could all use is like a more even tempered, realistic take on you know like what's your stance overall around the AI tools and the marketing in, in, the marketing industry and, and what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I think um, one in general, it definitely feels like uh, a hype cycle right now. You know, I think there's just a, I mean, like I said, you cannot go anywhere without hearing about this. And it feels a lot like when there's crypto and, you know, other various things that have happened sort of over the years in terms of marketing specific or just in the tech world. Uh, and not that that means it's a bad thing or that there's not value, but I just think it's just kind of all the um, the buzz right now. And so, uh, you know, I think certainly that will, you know, begin to taper off a bit over time. Um, so I think that's one aspect. It's just, it is just that point in time where um, there are a lot of possibilities and a lot to talk about. But beyond that, I think, um, you know, one thing that I've seen is that I think there are a lot of, like, marketers in particular, just it feels like they have such a bad reputation of, um, taking something new and just like ruining it almost, you know, <laughs> like, um, like it's treat everything kind of like an, you know, the classic, like easy button kind of thing, you know, it's like when social, you know, really like social media marketing started becoming a thing and then it was just like, great, this is another place that we can just like dump a ton of stuff and like market at people like crazy and it's like, oh, okay. Well, over time, it became clear, like, no, this is, this requires engagement. This requires thought. Like, there's a lot more that goes into it. And then chatbots, you know, became a thing. And everyone's like, cool. I just have to dump a chatbot on my site, and it'll solve all of my pipeline problems. And, um, you know, and then over time, it became clear, like, nope. You know, like buyer journeys are complex, and you know, there are a lot of nuances to these things. And so I think that that feels very similar now, like. Um, you know, there's lots of cheat codes and playbooks and all these things happening right now. And, um, I think that we'll just kind of see that normalize again to be like, oh, okay, this, you know, there are a lot of good things, but it's not just, you know, an easy button situation. Um, and just in general, I think, you know, I, I'm very optimistic. Uh, I think that it will bring a lot of efficiency gains, but I think it will also get normalized over time, um, as you know, everyone has access to these uh, efficiency gains that they can get from it. So it becomes less, you know, maybe a bit of more of an advantage early, but becomes less of an advantage over time. Um, 
and just in general, I would anticipate that smaller smaller teams, smaller companies will be able to take advantage of it a lot more um, than just bigger companies that have you know more rigid prod process or uh, you know strict legal restrictions, things like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I would say I'm very I'm very uh, excited about it and very um, bullish on the long term. But right now, short term is I don't think. A realistic picture of of how it will continue yeah i i i really the easy button thing always makes me very nervous because it's almost like a double whammy sometimes like i already feel like we fight a certain amount of stigma about volume and velocity around content marketing um being connected to seo because there are, are a lot of freelancers and kind of these like rough, quick operations within agencies that are, they're really about volume of content. Right. And so you start to compare that narrative around AI, which should make that even faster and cheaper for that line of thinking. Yeah. Uh, that always makes me, makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, now we're compounding like bad practice, on right. bad practice. Yeah. Um, but as far as sentiment goes, I, I do think there's something to that mostly being prevalent on social media spaces. So like, if that's all you're listening to all day, then the hype machine is like real and we're getting a million like, chat GPT is the most powerful thing in the world and 99% of people yeah. are using it wrong. Check out these right. slides. Right. And you're like, oh. Yeah, I <laughs> like mean, makes you, I literally. Makes you wince and cringe. Yeah, like just um, obviously like Twitter is super easy to mute like certain words. But I mean, even just yesterday, <laughs> I was like searching how can I do this on LinkedIn um, and TikTok? Because I would literally, I would just, you know, anything with GPT, chat GPT, you know, any of that kind of stuff, like I just block it because and mute it, you know, whatever. It's just, it's so... It's so awful, yeah. uh, and and how much it's it's really building up and 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 then like what kills me is when people put Chat GBT. It's not even like the right <laughs> the right acronym. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like G that's an immediate GTP. disqualifier that you you are jumping on the bandwagon and you do not understand <laughs> or have not even yeah. used this thing. You know, but right, right, yeah. Um, good. I think that's a good segue into like. There are a number of these tools, and they're different than obviously ChatGPT's, you know, one form of AI. But right, have you gotten to play with and kind of work and test a few of these AI tools? I, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think the funny thing is that like, like ChatGPT is definitely very interesting and a unique take, and a lot of the stuff that you can do with it is incredibly impressive. And so I think it makes sense that that sort of like launched the conversation for a lot of people. But the funny thing is like, we've been using AI tools in marketing for a while, you know, like, um, you know, how do you think that it cuts out the word um and creates subtitles for your video and, you know, all these like different tools, like there is AI being used, but now it's like really just sort of launched into the forefront. But, um, and I've definitely, I've tested Jasper, Lex, Copy AI, uh, for a variety of things, like just sort of 
prompting, uh, you know, list outline type stuff, um, social content, you know, add, you know, like product marketing copy, like a lot of different things kind of tested um, from a few different angles. Uh, I worked extensively with ChatGPT, um, but I would say like probably at least 50-50 personal and like business, but like maybe even the majority being personal. Um, I think that's just where it's actually been more interesting for me and like the outputs and stuff. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Descript, Subtitle, like these tools that you upload the video and it transcribes and kind of adds all that stuff. So um, that's that's the majority of, of what I've used. And I think, you know, overall, it's like they're, they're pretty good. Um, in some cases, you know, like, it spent it spent just as long trying to write the proper prompt in a tool and then editing it to sound like me as it would have to just write a post for LinkedIn, you know, like, um, so some of that stuff, I think it's a, you know, a bit of a trade off or like the more sober minded you can be about it, the more you realize, like, I don't know how much efficiency is being gained in some of these situations. But mm -hmm. what about you? Um, yeah, I think similar chat GBT and Lex. I've had some experience with. I liked the feeling of Lex. It felt less um, tell me the answer just because it allows yeah. you to sort of use the like, I'm in a Google Doc and I'm writing and every once in a while I just need like a little a little help or input. Um, it kind of felt, I guess, based on the way I was using it, it felt more like, uh, like a more advanced version of Grammarly or something that was kicking out sure. what yep. I might want to say. Um, and then another interesting one, which is I think gets into like a certain conversation around like uh, it was called latte, and so mm -hmm. you can put your you know video file in. It could be your webinar or a podcast, and then it essentially spits out cuts for you. So it was like ten to twelve short video clips plus uh, your social copy, and the whole thing is just obviously distribution and social media breakdowns and it was okay you know like I, yeah. I thought it it's trying to do the thing you want it to do it just never really fully understood where a thought began and end and I thought the if I, I was like trying to envision what would this be like on social and so yeah. you think about the cut and you're like this would be interesting in the fact that you have no idea what's going on and you just kind of want to be like, what? Like, yep. what? Okay. I'll, I'll listen to that. Like I'm intrigued enough. I heard several of the correct words, but you wouldn't get a full thought or like a full value statement. Yeah. Um, but the social copy was pretty terrible because yeah. it, it has to, it's not very good at like idea understanding, right? Because so many of these things are attempting to, predict off a language model what to say next or how to like basically regurgitate what was said in the thing in different words um so i don't think it ever it never led with like the punchline here's the value here's you know what this why you should listen to this clip it was more of like here's what this clip is and the cut was yeah. wrong already so you were just kind of doubly frustrated yeah um so again, yeah. you see the potential, but you're just left with like, I still can't use this. Right. And, you know. Yeah, I, and I I think that that is the that is the crux of it for me is, I think it it comes down to your standards, because um, like, I mean, 
long before any AI tools, like anyone can technically write a book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can probably find a ghostwriter on Upwork for, you know, whatever, two, three, five grand. I don't know, maybe less that would ghostwrite an entire book for me. But like, would it meet the standards of something that I would want to put out under my own name? Almost certainly not. And would it rival something from like a best-selling author? Almost certainly not, unless it was just some fluke. But, um, so, I mean, it's like, it comes down to the, the standards, you know, and I, um, you know, obviously shared before, I spent a long time at Sprout Social. Um, and I think that there were a lot of standards that were held there um, visually in terms of creative design, um, but also, um, you know, I think there was a good amount of pushback from Justin, the, the CEO, um, where we did try to do things more scrappy, faster. Uh, and the term that just sort of still kind of sticks in my head is like brand diminishing. Um, hmm. You know, and the, and the point was like, why, why spend this long to do something and the result is brand diminishing when we can go X amount longer and create something that's actually like truly, you know, brand building and, and like a positive asset in the overall marketing. And so I think, you know, that mindset is certainly ingrained in me at this point that like, you know, it really comes down to it. Sure. If you're 19 year old and you're like hustling and you, no one knows you and you have no personal brand, you're not behind a big company. Sure. Like you probably could have lower standards and, you know, crank out a lot of stuff and like really, really leverage something. But, you know, when you're, you know, marching towards, you know, 50 million, hundred million revenue SaaS company or you know, anything like that, I think the standards are different and in what's acceptable and how much you can actually leverage it. Um, it makes a big difference. So I agree. I think that's a really big distinction is um, kind of like what, what you would accept as good enough to actually use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's already hard enough to like <laughs> decide what that standard is. Um, yeah. We all know there's a certain level of a volume play within marketing, but deciding what that is now with AI is more complicated. Yep. Um, so then if we, if we take this back down to, um, you know, content, content marketing, you know, if you were leading a content team in some ways you absolutely are, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, what would you want to make your team aware of, or, you know, talk about or warn them about if they were interested in using these tools? Yeah, so I think there's three things um, <clears throat> initially that come to mind anyway. Um, one is, you know, just the the reminder that like, this is not citing sources, you know, this is a model that's learned, um, you know, over millions and millions of inputs. And so it's kind of just that like, combination or like amalgamation of a lot of information. And so if it's something that you don't know as well, like you don't have a way to verify the credibility, you know, like literally it's sort of the, the exact opposite of what the, um, eat, uh, framework is for Google, you know, is like the expertise, well now experience, expertise, authority, trust, like 
you have no reference of that to know how credible this information is. Um, and so I think that can be challenging. Um, and, you know, second in sort of similar to that is you don't like, you have to check against plagiarism because you don't know exactly where this came from. And if it was, um, you know, truly a unique output that was learned from the model, or if it was like, you know, pulled and, and barely changed from something else. Uh, and then most importantly, um, is that like, when you prompt an AI in any way, like any, any of these tools, um, you are any implicit bias that you put into the prompt is going to return biased results. Um, you know, and so an example for someone would be like, um, why shouldn't, you know, marketing teams do X? You know, it's going to come back with, um, you know, all the reasons doesn't work versus like, why should we do this? You know, it's just going to kind of support your argument and in, you know, in some ways answer your question, which makes sense. But, um, you know, to, to do that without having that, the understanding of the bias or, um, just using it to support your point, I think is sort of short-sighted. Um, so all those things together, I think it just kind of becomes a question of like, what are we putting what are we using here? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, we don't know where it's from. We don't know if it's credible. We don't know if it's ripped off from someone else and we don't know if it's biased then like, yeah, I think if you were to take AI out of the equation, anyone would sort of laugh you out of the room. If you came with something in hand that, that had those three criteria, three criteria. Um, so that would be my, my biggest concerns for, for content teams and things to be aware of. For sure. I, uh, the site sources thing makes me think, I know I posted an image in Slack the other day, but I was on the yeah. Y Combinator thread. Um, and it was just kind of an eye opening thing for someone who's like just starting to dig into like, well, how is AI, like, how does this even work? Like, what's the functionality here to see like, oh, this, these things have to return an answer. This is a language model and a predictor. Like someone asked for some cited sources around a particular argument they were making. Um, and it just invented them, including the mm -hmm. URLs. Like every part of it was made up, which is fascinating. Um, but I thought it got it like a, it was pretty poignant. Like, okay, this, all of these things still need to be verified and it may get better at doing this thing. Yeah. Um, but right now it, it makes up a lot, including its cited sources. Um, and then the other things I, I saw that I thought were fascinating and, and I know we've talked about a lot is like, how does Google kind of like respond to all of this AI content or sites that do it? And uh, like, I think uh, Ross Hudgens from uh, his, him and his agency ran a test or looked at a test around AI content. It's roughly. Yep. 3,500 pages published in a very short amount of time, a couple months. Um, and you can see the initial traffic kind of shoot up and then pretty yep. immediately it's like Google caught on and it dwindles down. Yep. Um, and then Mark Williams Cook published uh, another thing, 10,000 pages generated by AI 
again, you saw kind of Google take it. Um, it looks like it's ranking because it's getting clicks and the impressions shot up and then pretty immediately it just dies. Um, mm -hmm. Like literally went to zero, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so in one of them, it didn't go all the way to zero. It seems like it kept some of the longer term uh, or not longer term, the longer phrases kind of easier to rank for slash probably not a lot of competition. And so yeah. it was able to just hang out. Um, but in Mark Williams cook and Mark Williams cooks example, it is almost zero. Um, so I, I, I think that's something, especially for content teams or people in SEO and content to consider, like, there's also a part of this that we just don't know entirely what Google's response is going to be um, in terms of accepting this or an acceptable amount. It'll always probably be a little bit of a black box, but without more testing and time, yeah, it's really hard to say, like, how much anyone should lean on entirely AI produced content. Right. And I think both of those examples um, show that even without any updates to the algorithm, they already are pretty good at detecting that, you know, like that, because that, unless they've pushed some update that no one picked up on um, since then, like it's already kind of handled a few of those cases where it's a bit more egregious. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk too about like, you know, it's all about human edited AI content, which I agree. I mean, I think that that certainly changes it. Um, but to your point, like you don't know what that line is. You don't know how heavily it needs to be edited, how much changes. We don't know what exactly uh, is the pattern recognition that that triggers it to like identify as, as AI content. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think there's already some things in place and I think there will be more. And I think the, um, the companies that are going for it and, and really just like leaning heavily on it and, and ramping up volume and, and turning it out quickly. Um, my expectation is that if it already doesn't get caught with what their systems are, then I, you know, I certainly anticipate an algorithm update potentially within even 2023 that um, picks up on that a bit more and just hammers their performance. Um, and at which point, you, what efficient efficiency gains did you really have there? Yeah. I mean, hopefully you made a bunch of revenue at least in the, you know, in those good times. Because, um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot there, you know, and I think. It always like one of the best ways to be good at SEO is just constantly be reminding yourself that Google's number one objective is to surface the best result on every query. So like under they want to understand the intent to make sure they get it right, but then also understanding your content, how it's engaged with like, does it actually satisfy that? Because, um, you know, one of their their core objectives is that you're not having to search and research or like search and click through, you know, a bunch of different results on that page um, to try to find what you're looking for. They want to show it to you as quickly as possible. So from that standpoint, um, I have a lot of questions about, you know, something that's almost entirely AI generated without, um, uh, without much human intervention you know, I have a lot of questions about how well 
that's actually going to satisfy that objective. Mm-hmm. And so when you're outside that line, then that's where I think you set yourself up to suffer more when there is a an algorithm update. For sure. So, but yeah, but I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot that, um, I think that there's a lot that like AI will, um, you know, like the, you know, the question of like, will it replace search engines or will it replace writers? Like, yeah, to some extent, um, I, I do think it will, you know, I think, um, there's nuance though. Like I think that, you know, we talked about in the beginning when you kind of brought that up, like what's sort of like the even tempered, like, um, approach to this. I think there's a ton of nuance in how, um, how it will be impacted, you know, even prior to the AI stuff, there's, you know, been a lot of fuss about like zero click searches and how, uh, you know, Google is taking away traffic and all this stuff, but like, yeah, look, you know, my example that I give is like, I don't want to have to search what day, you know, what, what's the, you know, Thanksgiving date, 2000 or, uh, yeah, 2023. I don't want to have to go click into a website to get that answer. Like it used to be, there's these, you know, sites that made a ton of money on AdSense. Yes. Google knows that just show it to me and I don't have to click into a result. Like that's great. That's a great example of like, it is taking traffic away from websites. And I think that's a positive thing. Um, and so I think like certain types of queries, um, will make a lot more sense to put into something like chat GPT, especially when there's a mobile app, um, and, you know, again, like the source of it will be a bit, um, questionable for certain types of things, but I think there'll be some that are just very straightforward. Um, and I think there are other types of content from a writer standpoint, like it's not going to outright eliminate an entire field, you know, type of content creator or anything like that. But like, yeah, if, if your entire job is one of you know, 15 copywriters at a huge agency and all you do is write product descriptions for e-commerce clients, like I'd be a little worried, you know, like, mm-hmm. because there are, you know, it may say, well, we think that AI can cause us to only need seven, uh, and you know, something like that. So I don't think that it's like, you know, that no one cares for the written word or, you know, the ability to craft unique stories or anything like that. But like, there are certain certain things, you know, and, and certainly in teams where there's larger numbers that I think it, it matters more. Um, so those would be my, my thoughts is like, there are, you know, sorry, but then going back to search and like the flip side of, of those like zero search queries, like there's still a lot of things that people will search to be able to read more in depth. They want to know who is the person behind it. Like, you know, if I'm going to build a sales strategy for my company, I want to go read from Jason Lemkin and people that I know have done it in this type of industry mm-hmm. and they have credibility and I want to learn from them. I don't want an auto generated, you know, lame answer from AI. That's just super vanilla. Um, and so I think, again, it's just sort of that nuance of like, you're going to have some cases where it doesn't affect it at all. And you're going to have some cases where it does affect it heavily for both how search engines work, how people use search engines, but also, you know, writers, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and desi- uh... Sorry. And designers. I mean, I think we haven't talked about it as much yet, but like 
the AI image generation and some of that stuff, like there, I think there are certain types of content that will just make a lot more sense for AI to generate. Um, and you know, if you're a designer whose sole purpose is doing that type, it may be more impactful than, than others. For sure. I am um, for types of content. I, I, the one thing I think it does better to your point, um, especially if I'm thinking of like chat GPT specifically or any, like, I think Jasper has its own chat as well. And, yeah. um, is like, if I want to be learning things with right and wrong answers and I want a level of interactivity as I'm learning. So like, it might be me learning how to like, I might want it to spit out a type of HTML for a very specific thing, you know, and it can like organize yeah. code or it can organize a table for me. Um, and it's, it's almost like my search prompt becomes a way to get an answer and then I can ask it to manipulate the certain right. things it gives me. I really like that interaction. I don't see that as something yeah. like Google's going to do. Uh, but yeah, like I think deep learning, deep expertise, creators, influencers, like the things that people develop loyalty to is not going away. And Google's still very much a way to serve that type of information. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree. I, the thing that I, I found that I thought was just the absolute most stunning thing was um, because when I think about the alternative of how I would try to go about it outside of AI, uh, it's extremely difficult. And I think that there's some nuance to this example, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, some quantities and things may not be exactly right, but like, if you tell, or you ask, you know, chat GPT, give me a three day meal plan that has, you know, whatever your macros, you want 30 grams of protein per day. It doesn't include you know, all the foods that, that you don't like, whatever onions or you know anything like that, or that you're allergic to, um, like that alone, like that alone, spitting that out, like to try to go search and find multiple meals throughout the day that add up to 30 grams of protein, extremely difficult. And then you have on top of that, try have to try to find recipes or things that don't include ingredients that you don't like, or that you're allergic to that much harder. Then you refine and say, put it in a table format, done. And then where it gets insane is that you say, now please convert this into a shopping list with mm -hmm. quantities. And it will literally tell you three, you know, sweet potatoes and, you know, all of this stuff. And like that, the like trying to do that on Pinterest or on Google, like unbelievable. Like that, mm -hmm. that is a huge difference. I have not yet found the B2B you know, or marketing <laughs> equivalent to anything that made me like so blown away by how powerful and time-saving that is. Um, so yeah, so that's where I think there's just nuance and, and it will, it will in, impact certain areas more than others for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So I think, I think we've remained pretty even keeled, uh, probably even yeah. to slightly negative. Um, so I think maybe to wrap it up, like, let's just do kind of like, what's a run through for you of like, what is AI good at right now, um, that excites you and, and is potential for content marketers? Absolutely. Um, 
image generation, I think is a big one. Uh, I mean, obviously you look at like what Canva has done in enabling marketers. Um, and realistically, most marketers are not good designers. They like, you know, passable maybe, but um, there's- I feel seen, I feel a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's true for, for many. It, uh, it's definitely not a pointed comment, but um, you know, it's just like, with anything, you know, it's when you have the ability to do it, but you're not a designer, you're going to do things. So I think, um, you know, there are certain things that, um, you know, if I can use AI to get 80% of the way there and then it drops that into Canva or, you know, whatever, I could pull it into Canva and, and finish from there or whatever. Um, but there are just a lot of things that um, marketers need you know, variants of an image to, you know, A-B tests and ads or, you know, a featured image on the blog um, for an early stage company that doesn't have a dedicated designer, just things like that. Um, I think there's some really, really great stuff on the image generation front. Um, I think workflow efficiency uh, is, you know, a bigger part, like um, even just be able to like wrangle larger data sets or like um, manipulate stuff into tables, like I said, um, or generate some of the, the simpler things like title generation, you know, some of these smaller things I think are, um, a really, really great way to sort of enhance the workflow. Um, and I think the last thing I would say is like the idea generation. So like, mm -hmm. that's the really great thing is just to be able to kind of like have it dump out some ideas, even if, you know, you throw away 90% of them, like, um, to be able to then kind of like refine on the, the 10% you like and be able to expand on that. Like you can pretty quickly, like keep refining and churning out more and more ideas, um, on, on a lot of stuff that I think can kind of, uh, yeah, kind of point you in, in some unique directions that, that would, uh, otherwise maybe not go. So, um, and again, sorry, and that, to me, that's an example of like, you know, Googling for ideas is a very painful workflow. You know, you have, mm -hmm. like, you, you know, you're, you're signing up to click through a lot of sites and scroll quickly and whatever. Um, and so that's a great example of like, I don't need to do that. I can just, you know, put in a search and then refine and refine and refine and, you know, keep generating more ideas. So. That would be three areas that I think are, are really interesting specifically with marketing and and even more specifically content marketing. For sure. What about I, you, anything to add to that? Um, I mean, I would double down on idea generation and then like very specifically, um, I think one of my Achilles heels has always been short form copy because I practice long form all the time and <laughs> in yeah. some ways have probably just justified that like, no, my, my like tone and character and whatever else is just being wordy. Um, so then I've got to come up with like a podcast title or, uh, you know, a title tag or a meta description or whatever, a LinkedIn yeah. ad that has a 60 character limit or something. And immediately I'm just like writing the least creative thing I've ever produced. Like it just feels like blanc. That here's exactly what it is, but I'm always yeah. blown away by, you know, writers who have been able to like, wow, that says everything in that amount. And so 
using some of these tools has been incredible when I can write out my wordy version and say, you know, can you summarize this in 60 characters? And it does. Um, I still don't find myself using their exact phrasing, but I'm using quite a bit of it. Um, Or like it produces maybe a tone um, or mood uh, that I wanted and wasn't quite conveying um, that I've been very impressed with. Yeah, and it's, um, I know, yeah, I guess to end on something that dates me uh, horribly, (laughs) but the first agency I worked at um, was uh, 2009, I think. And, like, I remember an entire week, I think, I spent, we had a new client with, like, you know, multiple, maybe two, maybe 3,000 page website. And, you know, title tags and meta descriptions were still highly influential in how the page was optimized. And I literally, the entire week, was just in a spreadsheet writing new title tags and meta descriptions, one after another, Mm -hmm. after another, after another, lunch break, come back, do it, you know, and like, um, so yeah, and obviously, you know, nuance there, because like, that is, you know, not as big of a factor now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think people need to spend as much time crafting it, but, um, you know, the, the amount of time difference there, I think is, is wild and similar to what you shared. I also, you know, struggle with <laughs> being overly verbose and, uh, and I think that really does help when you can ask it to summarize something and then just, then you sort of see it as like, oh, okay, now I get it. And then you can kind of, um, uh, yeah, kind of go from there. So for sure. Um, and I, I did want to add, um, for anyone who might still be listening, obviously near the end here, uh, who also may be, um, a parent with a kid in school who has to read books and do book reports. Um, chat GPT is fantastic for taking whatever their book is and, you can get whatever, you know, main, main points for every chapter or, you know, who is the main character or what's the married struggle, like any of that stuff, you can just get it. You don't even have to open the book. You don't have to try to like challenge your kid to figure out if they're actually, you know, getting that, that part right. Um, so that's been pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, shortcut as a parent too, to just like drop that in, you know, spits it out and two seconds and I think you should, uh, I think you should start a personal brand that is just chat GPT for parenting. Yeah. How to write book (laughs) prompts for a book report. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, well, I, I think it was a good conversation. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll get past the, the hype cycle portion and all the people with their, making their cash grab for, you know, selling lists of prompts and courses and all this stuff and, uh, normalize into a better, more sober use of, of the tools and, and, uh, refine from there. But, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this conversation and, and, uh, everything we've covered today. Um, 
feel free to visit 10speed.io uh, slash podcast. Uh, we have a few seasons of content um, that we've done in the past. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there on a variety of topics uh, and with a number of guests as well. Uh, be sure to subscribe, you know, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever podcast platform you're on, subscribe. Um, podcasts will be coming, you know, roughly weekly uh, moving forward. So um, excited to have more of that coming out. And um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one.